This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. And we are super lucky for a return visit from M.K. Williams. Okay, we're going to talk about what we're drinking and then we're going to welcome her back to the podcast. Okay, so I did something because it's actually mid-afternoon when we're recording this. You can tell by the glorious sunlight that's cascading across my face, actually blinding me on the side. But it's fine. I want to stay cascading. We're writers. We can make it sound good. So I put in my Star Wars cup... Um, coffee, creamer, honey, cinnamon, and uh, straight bourbon whiskey from our sponsors, Brothers Spirits. This is batch one, barrel one, bottle 97. I've been, yeah, it's, it's 80 proof and it's, it's glorious. It's glorious. I probably shouldn't be mixing it that I might get an email from them, but it tastes really good on the rocks. Okay. CR, what are you drinking? Okay. So this is super fancy. So I did lemonade with the vodka, obviously, because you gotta have liquor. And then I did a mix of raspberries and blackberries and strawberries. Wow, we are super fresh today with- But I don't have a fancy enough glass because that is big enough. I'd have to like sit with a pitcher too. And then that just seemed inappropriate. So I don't know why that's inappropriate. I'm sitting with a bottle. I, I meant for myself. When I look back and watch it, I'm gonna be like, mm, it might seem like a problem because then people notice how often it has to be refilled. <laughs> and then it just it looks bad. That's okay. By the end of this podcast, they've already noticed you've gotten three other drinks. It's okay. MK, what are you drinking today? Okay. I am drinking out of my fancy drinking with authors podcast cup. Oh, oh yeah. So here's peace. I love that. That's when it, we have a whole brand new cup that's going to come out. You'll get the new one too. But anyway, what are you drinking? Perfect. Okay. I'm drinking Franzia because I'm classy like that. And that's what we have on our fridge. That's right. That's super, hey, that counts. Right that's super fancy. And with ice, because again, I'm a basic biatch. That's what I do. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It has been forever since we had you on the podcast before Mm -hmm. um, you tell me what you've been up to um, for those Um, that may not know you can you tell everybody what you write okay so I write I'm MK Williams Um, I write science fiction and adventure and some suspense books on my fiction side and on my nonfiction side I write how-to guides for self-publishing authors so I write a bit of both Um, one's more fun one maybe gets more sales, but one's more fun. And that's what the one we're going to talk about today is. Um, and since we last spoke, I yeah. went through labor and I have a 14 and a half month old and she's super sweet now. Um, colic was a thing. Um, so we had, we got through that and we got through 2021 and I still feel like it's 2020. Like when it was new year's in 2022, I was like, Oh, yeah. 2021 so happened. No. It, yeah. No. It just keeps getting worse. I understand that my daughter <laughs> had a baby and it's colicky. So mm-hmm. not super fun. Mm-hmm. Sending it's her all rough. these remedies to try to help, but the best thing to help is to walk around bouncing the baby. And that's how yeah. that works. And welcome to it's, no sleep ever again. Yeah. Yeah. It's when she gets older, do sweet potatoes. 
any time, even just a tiny bit, like mm-hmm. just a little bit of sweet potatoes and it calmed them down. My best friend's daughter had colic really bad. Mm-hmm. And she used to call me crying at like 2 a.m. It was just like, she won't stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I I'm think the thing that was even if even if your daughter, because you said she was breastfeeding, even if she eats it, like a lot of sweet potatoes or anything like that, like it goes through the breast milk and it calms their stomach down. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We had to go completely off dairy and soy for 10 months. Um, I missed cheese, but it was really nice when my daughter started screaming less. So it was worth it. Um, and I will say the thing that got me through it was like, I finally had the realization, I think a month and a half in, I was like, she won't do this for 18 years. Like this is tough, but she will eventually get past this stage. Like it will not just be me cradling her and trying to get her to sleep and stop crying for 18 whole years. Um, no, you're going to have the teenage years eventually, eventually. That's a different kind of screaming. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But I had to remind myself that like at that point, hopefully I'll be able to like, she'll be able to use words and I'll be able to use words and she'll understand. So that got us through. And just time. It was just waiting for like, it was literally like the clouds parted at 14 weeks. Like, oh, wow. Did you try the mama Rue thing? The little bouncer thing? We did not. We had a swing for her. She hated it. Like every time somebody would be like, Oh, have you tried this? I was like, well, we have something similar and she hates it. Um, we had people send us, I kid you not 20 different types of pacifiers. None of them worked to the point of the next time I got an Amazon bag with a pacifier, I just literally wanted to chuck it. I was like, what I need is a human to be here and hold this child so I can shower and not another pacifier. Um, yes, I got, I actually just mailed from Amazon to my daughter that the, the, the bouncer like it's a little mm-hmm. it's not a, a full swing but it's it, it does either yes. the bouncing yeah. vibrating mm-hmm. or it sort of mm-hmm. but it's on the ground it's not a whole like swing mm-hmm. thing and here's a weird thing I didn't know warm things on the tummy so there's this tummy wrap you can do yes. that has like um you know like the thing like you a heating pad whatever thing in it and mm-hmm. so you heat it up in the microwave for a couple of seconds and you put it in, it wraps around their tummy. So in the meantime, I had her put washcloths in the dryer and put it on the tummy and it helped. You can use rice too. Like take an old soccer, a glove or something. Like uh, we used to do that. And then you take it and you put some rice in it and you pop it in the microwave and stick it on them. And because sometimes like, I, like with my friend's daughter, we noticed that like she got so used to the, the attention that I was like, dude, just it's there's silly little like wives tale things but like it helps them sleep and all that fun jazz too but the mama Rue thing was great for her because it does the same thing like you said Erica it does a little thing you can stick them on their belly or you can stick them on their back and like it warms up a little bit it's, there's a lot of nifty tricks out there there mm-hmm. are but as we we're on the drinking with others podcast talking about <laughs> how to get rid of a colicky baby no. um, <laughs> okay there so are okay, parents you- out there <laughs> Yeah, yes. exactly. They're like, this was the best episode. Yeah. They're up at 3am <laughs> breastfeeding right now. And they're just like, yes, I need this. <laughs> Sweet potatoes, go to the store. Oh my goodness. I'm going to bring up these. Actually, I've written down three tips to text my daughter after this podcast to go, Hey, here's some other things you might want to try. Um, so what have you been doing writing wise in this um, 14 months? Yeah. So I had the entire manuscript, like the first draft for the Alpha Nina, which is my latest fiction book done, like done, done before the baby was born. Um, and so after, after the colic broke, I was finally able to come back to it and like do myself edits, things like that. So really I was trying to get that book done, um, through 2021. 
I had this genius idea in May of last year. I was like, look, I get a lot of questions on XYZ topic for self-publishing. I'm just going to bang out my next self-publishing guide. And I got that done. And like, it was the fat, it was one of the fastest books I've ever written because I get so many questions on it. And there's so much bad information out there. (laughs) I was like, I I need like, this needs to happen. Um, which was actually fortuitous as my book was going through my like editors. Um, and I knew I needed to be hands-off. I was like, okay, I'll write this other book. Um, so I was really kind of focused on the alpha Nina for the past year. And now it's finally going to be out. When is it going to be out? March 1st. For all of us that need the next book. Yes. It's going to be out on March 1st. Oh, is it blurry? I need to turn off. I'm going to turn off my blur. Turn off your blur. It's fine. Hold on. You see my trash in the background here because I'm still moving in. So I don't know. Wait, let me do like that. So, So, oh, look at how cute. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. So the Alpha Nina will be out March 1st and it is the sequel to the Infinite Infinite. So awesome sauce. It was fun to come come back to these characters. And now I'm starting to work on the third book in the series. Of Um, that series or the other series? Because of this series. Yes. Because there are those of us that would like book three of the other series. So I'm just going to put that down. Yes. Yes. So I, (laughs) yeah. So the Project Collusion series, that's the one you're talking about. That's the one I talked about last time with Nail Biters and Architects. Um, Book three is on the roadmap to happen once I close this series. Um, And some of that is because with Project Collusion, it was like book one really focused on one character and book two really focused on another. And so book three, I, th- I think is going to focus on just a totally different character. So it's not like I'm going to be coming back to familiar characters. I'm going to be coming back to that world. Um, and it's a dark, scary place. Um, and I'm oh, I know. Point- oh, yeah. I know. I like it. Yeah. You and like I think I'm sitting there. So I'm going to need to go back there. That's good. I'm glad you enjoyed it because it's one of those things where I'm kind of like the world right now just seems a little dark and scary. I need fun and like, let's go hop to another universe and reality and play there. So that's why I'm playing with this series for now. But yes, then I'm going to come back. I'm going to finish. PR does a similar thing. She has the Realm series. And so she just (laughs) finished the Heart Realm. And now she's going to the Sci-Fi Realm. Well, we keep going back and forth. We're trying to decide between Enigma or 42. And Detective Realm, but two. Yeah. I was going to co-do them like one after another. Erica told me I got to pick one. Yeah. Otherwise, it's very confusing. Let me just put it that way. It's so confusing. Um, but that's, that is amazing. That is, that is a lot still that you've accomplished. I'll tell you what was interesting when the pandemic broke for us and talking to authors, there were so many authors that had written like pandemic or disaster books that were like, I think I'm going to have to put this on hold and not release it. And I mean, even Jonathan Mayberry literally had a pandemic book come out two months before the pandemic hit. And he was like, I don't know what to do about because he's on like epic publishing schedule. Like there's no yeah. takey backs yeah. on his books. And he was oh, like, yeah. let's not talk about that one. Let's talk about this other book. Yep. <laughs> yep. Literally like a zombie virus broke out or something. It's terrible. Right. Yeah. Like a conspiracy theorist going nuts. Right. <laughs> Right. That's, I had to put like a little author's note in architects of like, look, I wrote this in 2019. Like this is fiction. This was not me making any kind of statement about anything. This is fiction. It's done before this all went down. 
let's talk about the name of your podcast and stuff because I think people should know about that and the the self-help books because we're drinking mm-hmm. with authors so your podcast name again my darling yeah so it's actually a YouTube channel um I've yeah. done a few interviews but I wasn't very good at it. Um, and so it's author, your ambition. You can go to YouTube, MK Williams, author, your ambition. Um, I talk about everything related to like self-publishing and making a career out of being an author. Um, so it, I try and do short and sweet videos. Um, if you're on YouTube a lot, you probably notice a lot of people have like 18 to 20 minute videos and you're like, do I have that much time to commit to this? I try to hit my sweet spot is like six to eight minutes of like, you have a question of like, how do I find X, Y, Z on the KDP publishing platform? boom, here you go. Here's your answer. Um, and so my YouTube channel focuses on answering the, answering those questions. And my books also answer those questions, but in a different format. Um, it took me, I think a couple hundred videos and I was like, Oh, I could, I could make this a book cause I'm an author. And that's another <laughs> way I can help people. It's, so it took the, a, a minute. Yeah. What is the latest book that you put out? That one is called going wide, self-publishing your books outside the Amazon ecosystem. And it specifically addresses, um, how authors who kind of went all in with just Amazon, um, either because they thought, I just want to see what happens, or that was the only advice they could find was this Amazon only option. And they think, well, but I want my book in bookstores, but I want my book in the library. Um, and some libraries now are purchasing books from Amazon, but the majority still won't or can't, um, or they, you know, they want their book on Barnes and Noble. They want their book on iBooks. They are mad at Amazon and their pricing and their policies. And they're like, I just want to be able to sell my book on my own website. Um, and Amazon obviously tempts authors into exclusivity. So the book really answers how to take your book out of that exclusivity and the steps you specifically need to take, um, to bring your book wide. I think that's brilliant because I think, um, uh, well, I personally think Amazon needs to be taken down about 10 or 12 notches from where mm-hmm. they're at. And I think that's true. Especially the since they're raising prices on everything and nothing is, is two day or instant anymore. Like I know I, I, you know, Erica hates it, but I have Kindle unlimited and I went and I purchased a book and they said they wouldn't give it to me for like 48 hours and it wasn't a pre-order, but they wouldn't release it because there was a conflict with the author. So like the author had their book, but they, and even if people bought it, they weren't giving it to them. Hmm. It doesn't surprise me because yeah. um, they're in the middle of like six class action lawsuits from other publishers too, about what they're doing with pricing, things mm-hmm. like, you know, for instance, we at Four Horsemen and anyone who is self-published and distributes through Ingram, Sparks, most mm-hmm. self-published to Ingram, we're on the higher tier publisher thing. Similar mm-hmm. concept though. These are print on demand books, but Amazon will say they're out of stock or something bullshit wise. They're print on demand. All of Mm -hmm. them are print on demand, including Amazon's books. They don't have them in a warehouse. They're print on demand, but they're never out of their books if you go that route. And we had um, a situation we ran into which our distributor actually is part of a, a class action on this where Amazon was um, saying, hey, because it's pre-orders and the books were coming out. And then the, the day they um, hit, people were getting notifications saying, oh, um, it doesn't look like this hard. This paperback is going to be published. Would you like a refund? Um, it, it's print on demand. There's no refund. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and it's and because not- Amazon didn't get their order in until like the day before. Yeah. 
Yeah. So ah, anyway, I'm so glad you wrote that book, but I think it's really, really important, especially for people listening to this podcast, because again, there are all different ways you can publish. And I love that you give advices. And though that's not the only book you have, you have several books that go over Mm -hmm. how to do this and Mm -hmm. knowledge is power. And I think a lot of people go down the self-publishing route again, get trapped in the Amazon thing or just get screwed over by vanity presses and other ways to go about getting published because mm-hmm. they don't know. I We had somebody on the podcast the other day that was like, oh yeah, I have a publisher and she was explaining it. And then me and CR were like, no, no, what you have is a vanity press. Do you know what a vanity press is? And she's like, mm-hmm. no. And I'm like, how much did you pay for that? And she's like, $5,000. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it breaks my heart. And she's like, they're going to do the second book. I'm like, they're not doing the second book. Mm-mm. You need to email me. I'm going to give you all these resources. Here are some things. And it like, didn't include editing, right? It didn't no, include it didn't. her editing or her cover or anything. It was like, oh, boy. Yeah, no, they charge her for everything. And then it was this. And I was like, okay. And she's like, I'm, she's listed the four or five places it was on. And I'm like, okay, do you know what Ingram Sparks is? Because they'll go wide with your ebook. And she's like, what? And I'm like, oh my, oh my goody. Like you could do an Ingram Sparks thing. Totally. I mean, just cover how to get your ebook wide without having to upload it everywhere. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. And that's, I actually have a bunch of it. Cause when I was uploading the alpha Nita places, I literally just had my screen capture on for the whole thing. And I was like, I'm just going to make a bunch of videos for my channel right now. Cause I, need to make videos every week. And so I was just like, okay, how do I upload here? How do I upload here? How do I upload here? And kind of pointing out the stuff where you always get error messages. I'm like, just wait 24 hours. The error message goes away. Or like there's just these little things where like first time authors, I will have just DMing me on the weekends. Like my cover's not being accepted by Ingress Mark. What do I do? And I'm like, hi there. Hello. Nice <laughs> to meet you. Um, what does the error message say? And they're like, it says it's not a JPEG. I'm like, yeah. Cause I need a PDF. Is it a PDF? Make it a PDF. Um, so like little things like that. Um, so yeah, I, I will never run out of books to write or videos to make on this topic because there's always going to be new, new things coming up with different platforms, policy changes, and the ever present need to get in front of people before they spend a dime with a vanity press. It's, it breaks my heart. Every time I hear that somebody went to a vanity press, I'm just like, I'm so sorry. And you've already spent your money and they already own your ISBN. So I don't know what else to tell you. I'm so sorry. No, and that, again, that's exactly the thing. It's, it sucks when you finally are like, I'm getting my work out there. And well, kind of like, like a little bit, you're yeah. Diet Coke, not really, you're kind of screwed and you're going to have to fight to take this back now. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's definitely scary. So fiction wise, fiction wise, <laughs> um, tell us about this new book. What is Okay. The, so the Alpha Nina. It's the second book um, after the infinite infinite. Um, and so it follows the same characters from the first book. So the infinite infinite follows Nina Marks. She wakes up in an alternate universe and has no, how, how, no clue how she got there. Um, and through the book, we realize she was kidnapped. Um, then she's kind of, as she goes to confront the person who kidnapped her, gets pushed to another reality. So she has to find her way home through the multiverse. Um, and the alpha Nina starts where this, the first book left off. Um, with some of the other characters and other realities, because once you have a machine to navigate the multiverse available uh, in multiple realities, well, kind of just makes a big cluster of problems, <laughs> as it were. Um, and so it's following all of these characters and how they kind of deal with some of the 
trauma of what happened in the first book, getting them to August 8th, 2019. So within the book, the premise is that you can travel between different realities, but you can only do it on this one day, August 8th, every year. Um, and so the first book takes place on August 8th, 2018. Um, it's that entire day. It runs all the way up until down to the wire at midnight when this opportunity is going to close. Um, and the second book picks up first thing morning of August 9th of okay, what just happened and getting everybody to the morning of August 8th, 2019 and how they're kind of dealing with things and grappling with what they had to do to survive in the first book. Um, kind of some things that were revealed about themselves when they're meeting their alter egos and seeing like, oh, maybe I could be a bit stronger. Maybe I could be a bit more open to new ideas and new things. Um, and dealing with everything. Um, and then more, more things are hitting the fan, um, as it were, because it's a series. Um, so yeah, the alpha Nina is a deeper exploration into some of these characters and the different facets of their personalities, but it's also just a fun sci-fi adventure. So the author in me has to delve into the character, but for anybody listening, it's a fun sci-fi adventure. That is awesome. So now I'm curious as you're going into book three, August 8th, 2020, the world kind of ended <laughs> five months before that. Are you going to cover that in your book? Or are you skipping that to have it be more in line? Just out of curiosity, yeah. inquiring minds want to know what direction you're going to go. Yeah. So it's one of those things that was like nagging at me as I was working on the Alpha Nina through 2020 of like, what are you going to do about this big potential huge plot hole for yeah. all of book three? Like what, what's going to happen? Because it really is the biggest plot hole of, of, the millennium, right? Like, but if you're they, going through multiverses, that every universe wasn't impacted by something like that. Yes. So I did toy around with the idea that the third book, it would be revealed that Nina's reality is not our reality, that while it looks almost the same, it's actually a different one. And none of that happened. Um, I think what I'm going to do is a little different. Um, you'll have to see. Um, I think I'm going to be able to address it in a way that kind of talks about some of the ethical quandaries of having access to um, what is effectively a time machine. Um, and so if you had access to a time machine, well, like, why wouldn't you go back and stop world war II? Well, why wouldn't you even just stop world war one before that? Why wouldn't you stop any of these horrible things in history because of all the pain and suffering they cause? But it's also like, well, what is that ripple effect? And does that cause an even worse world war three that could have happened or something like that? And so kind of dealing with some of those dilemmas, um, and one of the continual things that I had Nina, the main character kind of lament in the first book was, I wish there was like some kind of police I could go to for the multiverse to be like, hello, I'd like to report a crime. I was kidnapped. Um, and her saying like, well, that obviously they don't exist because this wouldn't have happened. And you find out in the beginning of the Alpha Nina that there is um, an agency in the federal government that is supposed to be monitoring this, but they're a federal agency. <laughs> they don't know mm. what they're doing um, because they're they have a lot of red tape and bureaucracy. Um, and so trying to figure out how these people who are supposed to be keeping their eye on this totally messed up um, and how they could potentially put things right. Um, and by putting things right, it just means everybody is in the right place in time, not exactly that they are fixing what could be these horrible events, because we all know um, some horrible events can begat good, positive things, right? Like we didn't have vaccines before the Spanish flu of 1918. And obviously that's a hot button issue right now, but they've saved a lot of lives since then. Um, so it, trying to figure out how to meld that in without just being like, I'm going to ignore that 2020 happened. Like I want to include it in there in a way that seems like the reader gets a little bit of peace from it. I don't know. I'm still working no, on it. 
I might throw it out. But. That makes sense. There, honestly, there's a great supernatural episode that kind of covers this, where one of the angels goes back in time, like, and undoes the Titanic event and the mm-hmm. ripple effect that is created because he just decided to undo the Titanic event. Mm-hmm. And then and, death has to catch up, and yeah, and then they have to do all this stuff to fix the fact that he did that. And of course, in the end of the episode, he goes back and does the titanic event and lets it hit an iceberg right but it's it's Mm -hmm. it's very true the whole like okay you avoided it but what would that do you know Mm because that's not the only evil person i think that's brilliant that's so much fun oh my goodness yeah okay oh oh you know what i'm gonna take a break right now this is a good break moment and we'll be right back with drinking with authors yay Our sponsor today on Drinking with Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brothers Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. And we're back. We are back. Um, and MK just inspired something that me and CR were talking about for her next book. So <laughs> MK is an inspiration to everybody. Oh my goodness. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, have you found it very different um, trying to write with little kiddos around? Like what it, how has that changed things for you? You know, like sleep wise. <laughs> yeah, it's changed a lot. I would say um, after her colic broke for like the first six months after that. So from like three months to nine months, she slept through the night every night. She took three naps a day. So I w- I had a, I thought a pretty good mix of, okay, I can get some client work done. I can get some of my book work done. I can like work out and shower. And like, I just had enough time every day to get those things in. And she was sleeping through the night. So I felt great at nine months. I don't know what happened. She stopped sleeping through the night. Um, she dropped down to two naps a day. Um, and it just, okay. Have to reschedule, reprioritize. Um, and like, it really impacted my writing routine for a while. Um, I kept saying all of 2021, okay, I'm not going to take on any new clients because I need to be my, my main client. I need to just focus on my books. I was very bad at saying no when when business came because I was like, well, what if like, I never get another opportunity and like, I built this business. I want to keep doing it. Ultimately I'm a bad type, a horrible overachiever and it's not healthy. Don't, don't be me kids. Just say no to work for your business. 
Um, so that definitely impacted my ability to get writing in. And I started this year saying, no, no matter what, come hell or high water, her entire first nap, I'm writing. Like I have my screen blocked. So one screen is my manuscript. The other screen is like, I found on YouTube, these like light jazz videos, but it's like scenic, like Paris cafes or like downtown Tokyo at night. And like, it's very calming. It's not what I usually do. Usually I have like a a mix of songs that like get me into like my character's heads, but I was like, I need just like something calm. And I, I really stuck to it. I was doing really good. And then I kid you not like the day after, cause we were going back and forth on the time for this podcast. And I was like, okay, my daughter usually naps at 3 PM. Can it start at 3 PM? The next day she starts refusing to do her afternoon nap because da, 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 she's dropping to one nap. <laughs> Famous. I, last words. Laugh. Yes. I have two kids. I have two adult kids now. So I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a constant balance and a constant struggle. And I think I've had to just learn to tell myself like, it's okay if you don't have a daily writing practice right now, because it was just becoming too stressful on me to feel like I have to live up to this ideal of, but I have to write every day. I have to write every day. The book won't get done. I'm like, well, the book's not getting done with me sitting here stressing about the fact that I'm not writing every day either. So, um, yeah, it's just a constant balance. Um, and I'm trying to like, give myself the grace to say like this season of her life is short, but my writing life will be much longer and it's okay if it takes me time a to get the books done. Cause I often find, I, I think more on the characters. I resolve plot holes better, um, when I have more time, um, and not force myself to get it done faster. And I think it'll be nice when she's a bit older and she still sees me putting out books. Cause who knows, maybe the well runs dry after these two series, who knows? Um, I doubt so. that very heavily from interacting with you, what I have, I, yeah. I doubt that will happen. So let's talk a little bit, cause you interact with a lot of authors. Let's talk about what it's been like for them during this pandemic, right? Cause you know, um, I think when it first happened, we all had a thought and then now we're two and a half years into this pandemic still occurring. What has that been like for your authors? So I'd say at the beginning of the pandemic, so I was at that point, nine months into being full-time as an author and and author coach. um, And I thought, well, F, this is the worst time for me to have to go hunt for a job, but this is it. Like I'm doomed. Nobody, nobody's going to hire somebody to help them self-publish a book right now. Everybody's going to be, you know, pinching their pennies because of what's going on. The opposite was true. Within weeks, I was more than booked with people who were like, I finally have time to write my book can you help me? Um, so I think there was a big, yeah, there was a big flood of people, um, in 2020 who said, I finally have the time I'm writing my book, which is just goes to show how much time is wasted in a corporate office environment. Um, (laughs) Um, there is sun outside the window and I was not prepared for it. Okay. Um, yeah. So the, the beginning of the pandemic, it was a lot of people excited to finally write their book. They were going for it, but I will say the authors that were going to get it done, regardless of what happened in 2020, got it done. And the authors who were going to hem and haw over every detail and like by like procrastination by perfection are still doing that, um, are still saying, well, maybe, I don't know. I think I need to, I think I need to go over it again. I think I need to get another editor. Maybe, I don't know if I want to be self-published. Let me try and go the publishing route. Okay. Six months later. Okay. I couldn't get an agent. I want to be self-published. I don't know. Um, and I think the authors who are going to do that anyways, are still doing that. Um, which is sad to see. Um, cause I do see a lot of authors who I feel they don't have that confidence. They, they need a validating person to come and say, I found you. 
uh, don't ask me how I found you, but I found you and I'm the biggest publishing agent in the world. And I'm going to get you the best book deal in the world. Here you go. Um, because some people either been kind of sold that image through movies and TV, which do not at all show realistically what happens. Um, no, um, no, no, that no. never, never happens. For the record. Never, ever, 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 ever. Um, but I think enough people kind of either believe that from something in society or culture that makes them think that that could happen, or they, they just always hear this idea of this tormented, tortured author. And that if they haven't been banging out their draft over and over again on a typewriter in an isolated cabin for t- two decades, and they haven't earned it. And you know what? Guess what? You have. It's okay. Go get your book out there. Go on to the next one. Um, and I even recently, okay, I hope none of you hate me. So I finally read The Artist's Journey by Stephen Pressfield. Mm-hmm. Didn't love it. I don't even know what that is. So Stephen Pressfield, he wrote The Legend of Bagger Vance. is like, I think his most notable one. Um, mm-hmm. And he wrote a lot of other fiction books. And he's also written a lot of nonfiction books on the war of art and other books that are about the, the writing and the author process. So I, I've been recommended to read all those books. And I finally, from the public library getting the ebook i was finally able oh my to god get a this public library book. what is that people don't They're even online. know those exist anymore <laughs> on the libby app yeah the libby um, app I've... is amazing and people should utilize that because hi you have access to library books go it's, team it's the anyway. best um <laughs> and so i finally read one of his books after you know and i've heard him on podcasts and i loved what he was saying on podcasts and i read the book and i was just like this no, because it seemed a lot like, you know, the artist's journey is you have to suffer and you have to dedicate yourself so much to your work that you lose all your relationships and ruin your career. And you have to ruin it again until you get to rock bottom. And then you can create. And I'm like, that's some bullshit. Let me that tell you. Bullshit. And of course yeah. that could be the journey for somebody, I guess, yes. if you want to go through that journey. Maybe it was his journey. It seems like it was. Probably. But that doesn't mean I'm going to prescribe to all people in all matters of creation that that's what they have to do in order to be artists. Yeah, no, did not yeah. like it. Um, and so I do, th- I do think that idea has been sold to a lot of people. Going back to your question about how our authors, you know, post pandemic is, I think a lot of people feel like, well, I have to suffer. I have to you know, somebody, one beta reader said, maybe my dialogue could be improved. I now have to take three writing seminars and read four books on dialogue and rewrite my entire manuscript because really there was one scene that was kind of slow, you know, and and I know people who've done that and they like, they have one beta reader at a time and they rewrite their manuscript every time. And I'm like, procrastination by perfection. Like either you like your book or you don't like your book. And it sounds like you don't like your book and you're just trying to find anything to fix it. And hopefully if somebody's listening to this and they're like, this is me, am am I procrastinating by trying to be perfect? You are. No book is perfect. You you have to, you as the author have to be happy enough with it and put your stamp on it and get onto the next thing. You're a writer. You're supposed to be writing, not revising until your eyes fall out. No, it's true. And on the beta reader side, I think one thing, first of all, a beta reader needs to actually be a reader that reads your genre likes your books and knows what the fuck a beta reader is because a beta reader isn't your friends fucking reading your book and telling you what they think of your book that's not how this works now don't get me wrong you may have a friend that is knows how to beta read and can do this they may do that but it's an actual 
job. Beta reading is a job. And some people love to do it and give you the correct feedback. But if they are not somebody who loves your genre and reads a lot of your genre, and even if your genre is a newer genre, there are people who read it out there who will give you advice. But be very, very careful because there you also, when you get that advice, I'm so boxing, but when you get that advice, you have to go, does this make sense? Do I want to change my story? Is this something? Like, it's one thing if they go, hi, you keep jumping tenses. Well, guess what? Maybe listen to them and look and see if you're jumping fucking tenses. That could be a thing. But if they're like, mm, I don't like this character, Bob, and I think Bob should be a different character. If you don't want to change Bob, don't fucking change Bob. Bob can mm -hmm. be where he is. Bob mm -hmm. can be doing what he's doing. You know, I, mm. and you have to understand not everybody is going to love your book. Even yes. if they read the genre, like they may not let or agree with the, the direction that you took. And I feel like that's one of those things that like people believe they have more power than they do. It's, yeah. it's like one of those positions and people just, like you said, you just have to either you in like your book or you don't know if it's like Erica said, and like you, your grammar's a little messed up, listen to them. If it's like, you know what? I don't like this name or I don't like this character. Just get rid of them. Mm -hmm. It's not their decision. The end decision is always yours. Mm -hmm. Yes. So just have mm -hmm. confidence in yourself. Absolutely. And I think that is one thing I, I feel like a lot of authors, when they're new to this, they don't have that confidence. They feel like, oh, I, I need to be receptive of criticism, which is great that they've heard. You need to accept constructive criticism. You need to be open to it. But I think what's tough is then, you don't want to just say yes to every suggestion and every edit. Um, and I think that goes back to that confidence in the book itself and saying like, no, I know my character. They're really strong. Like they can stay this way. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll check out my tenses or yeah, you know, maybe I, that those little hole there, I could kind of patch that up with a couple sentences versus just completely rewriting it. Um, and, and I do wish people a would stay away from vanity presses and B would just have more confidence in their initial concept. And I see that in fiction and nonfiction. Um, I had an author I was working with, um, and she's a blogger. She has like an award-winning blog, award-winning podcast. She knows her shit backward and forward. And she, you know, sent me the outline for the book. I was like, this is great. I would maybe just kind of reorganize these two chapters. Otherwise I think it's perfect. She had people start to beta read it, loved it. And she's like, well, I'm going to go with a developmental editor. And I was like, Okay. I think we're maybe a little late for that, but okay. Like go and talk to them. And this person's like, you need to rewrite the whole thing. You need to hire me for $20,000 to do it with you. And she texted me and I was like, I'm going to call you, but do not pay this person a dime, a single dime until I talk to you. And I looked over it and I was like, she is like, that's what you would pay a ghostwriter to write the book for you. I was like, do you want this woman to write this book for you? And she's like, no. And I was like, do you like your outline? She's like, yes. And I was like, don't do that. And it was literally just giving that person the permission to say no to this person who, but she has all this experience. And I was like, well, she's not your audience. And like, you know what your audience wants because you have a very large audience. Like, oh my God. Don't, I don't can't stress enough people listening to this podcast that are writers do not pay people a bajillion dollars to help you with your book. There are so many avenues out there, including writing groups. You, there are writing groups in every single area mm -hmm. or virtually find a writing group, find authors that write similarly to you, get advices out there that is free. Because generally authors want to help. That doesn't mean they give their services up for free, mm -hmm. but it does mean they generally want to help you and can guide you and give you some tips on what to do. And there are so many free classes or seminars or things like that. Oh my God, MK's on YouTube. There are a ton of things on YouTube as well. 
about writing. Now, some of these are very, very long, and I will warn people in advance, not yours, because I've seen yours and they're very entertaining, but I've also listened to some podcasts with writers who are fairly successful, but they have like an hour and a half long podcast and it's very conservative and very dry to listen to. But, but in those that are free on YouTube, there are nuggets, there are nuggets. And that's the endurance. You want to pay something, endure the conservative podcast to get the nuggets to write your book. That's, that's what I would advise. $20,000. Oh my God. I have so many expletives. I want to say to that person, mm-hmm. that, to mm-hmm. that, person. Yeah. that is nuts. I, yeah. many, many ex- expletives joined yeah. together to form whole sentences yeah. that have expletives in them yes. because that is such <laughs> bullshit that goes back to the vanity press thing. Nobody get, if you're a writer and even if you, you make enough money on the side that you could afford somebody to do that, don't waste your money doing that. If you want to put $20,000, put it into advertising after you figure out how to advertise your book and how to make the best money for it. Because mm-hmm. like I was a friend of mine, um, Tamara Lush is doing cozy mysteries now. And, you know, she spends X amount on advertising, but she makes six figures with her books doing, spending about that on the advertising. So when you also, anybody listening, when you hear that, most of the time, when you hear somebody make six figures on their book, they are spending a chunk of that six figures to do advertising, to make the six figures, but it's still out there. There are ways you can do this. Oh my gosh. So differently. Anyway. Mm -hmm. And people are always going to tell you if that's their job, of course, they're going to tell you, you need something because at the end of the day, they want your money. Mm -hmm. It's It's just like, when you go and like, you know, like you get pulled over for a speeding ticket, like you don't necessarily need a lawyer, but every single fucking lawyer is telling you, Hey, you pay me this amount of money. Well, that ticket's gone. So instead of paying a $50 fine, you're paying thousands of dollars to not pay 50. Like it's true. It just everybody's out how much your insurance is at that moment in time. I would heavily recommend it. If you're about, if you live in Florida. Yes. Okay. Touche. <laughs> no. I, I discovered that because I moved to North Carolina and um, I just read our insurance up uh-huh. here and so I had, you know, lower coverage in Florida because it's so expensive in Florida. And he was like, why do you have such low coverage? And I'm like, do you know what it's like to get insured in Florida? No. And so he came back and literally quadrupled the level of insurance I have, maybe even more than that. And was like, hi, it's less than half of what you were paying in Florida. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, yep, yeah, I'll take it. That's fine. I can have a million dollar insurance policy and it's less than what it was. <laughs> Florida. I don't have a million dollar insurance policy. Nobody come up here and try to get hit by me. (laughs) People jumping up on your car now. Yeah, exactly. Not that expensive. I drive a Porsche. Look out for Porsches up here. Just kidding. That's not true at all. (laughs) That way nobody can find me. So I think that's awesome that uh, you're helping and I'm still doing that and that people are going after their art and everything Mm -hmm. like that. Is there any like tips that you would immediately give authors out there on things that you've noticed recently trend-wise? Recently, I would say I've noticed trends with a lot of authors like messaging me, like, how can I sell a thousand books in one day? Or like, how can I get a hundred reviews on Amazon day one? And I'm like, you've been watching too many side hustly bro videos. Like, I don't know how else to call them. And I don't want to offend anybody who is a side hustle bro but effectively that's what they're doing. 
Um, and so I've seen a lot of trends of you have to like hit the bestseller list by getting a thousand books sold the first second. And you have to like, and like, here's the 10 steps to do it. And it's like, okay, well, that person didn't tell you is that they found the super secret niche. They wrote to that super secret niche. Do you want to write in that niche? Do you want to do that? Or do you want to write something different? Cause you want to write something different. And that's that plan's not going to work for you. Also that, that bro is in that niche. So he owns it. So what are you going to do? Um, so I have seen a lot of that of late. Um, and then people then, yeah, changing their plan based on just the side hustly things that are out there. And I think they're, they're, this is good information, right? There are a lot of people who want to make, if not a living, at least some money from being an author. And there is a lot to be learned about what to at least input correctly into these systems to make sure your book can be found and you can therefore make some money off of it. Um, but I think the downfall is that a lot of people go in and they're excited to write their octopus squid romance space saga whatever you know most specific unique thing and then they get all this advice they say okay how do I self-publish on Amazon they find all these bro videos of how to like make all these figures and they're like okay so I need to write something totally different and it's like write the thing you want to write um, that's that's the advice that I end up having to give more often than not to people is write the thing you want to write define what your success is because if bro side hustle, bro gives you his version of success. It's if you don't haven't crushed six or seven figures in the first year, then you're a loser, bro. But if your definition of success is I want to finish writing this book I've had in my mind for the past seven years, then guess what? You're successful. You finished your book. Congratulations. Um, I think that's my, the biggest advice I always have to come back to, to people is what is your definition of success? Ignore all the other ones. That no, that's it, it's hard, but it's that's the most basic one. I think that's great advice because, and it's funny. I just gave um, for the uh, Orlando Reads. Uh, there's a seminar, and I did a shameless self promotion. And it's the first thing I say is define what it is you want to be. Like, what do you want to do? Because that changes what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And I I think coupled with that, a lot of people don't realize is that some of these sort of what you're calling the side hustle bros are people who come from a marketing background that is literally what they did in real life and that's where they focus most of their attention is not on the actual writing of the book sometimes they don't write their own books fyi out there 20 books in a year there's a huge chance not that it can't be done uh, there's several can you write writes 10 books a year easy but when I hear somebody's writing 10 books, there are some people that can absolutely do that. But the majority, they're the exception, not the rule. So they probably have a ghostwriter is mm-hmm. probably what's happening. And they're just or on the multiple. marketing side. What? Mm-hmm. Or multiple ghostwriters. Or multiple. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's terrible. But that's what you've got to see beneath it. So don't always take what's on the surface of what somebody is saying. Mm-hmm. Some of them, absolutely. But a lot of them, that's not the case mm-hmm. at all. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they, they're, they're doing it a completely different way. And they invested 50,000 in their first year of this advertising that they're telling you about. So do you have $50,000 to invest in advertising? And that's what you want to do when you figure it out? No, probably write the damn book. How about do that? How about get the correct cover on it? That would be nice. The correct cover, get an editor. I don't know. Super exciting. Let's get a bicep code or two. Cause those bicep codes changed this year. A lot of people don't realize 2020, um, the 2021 bicep codes were finally released. It's so weird, but they, I don't know why they wait so long to do it, but there's whole new bicep codes out there to label books. So start at the bottom, basically start at the bottom, start at the basics 
and then work your way up guys. Yes. <laughs> you know, make exactly. sure you have a cover, make sure that when you upload it, it actually shows up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of authors, like they, they intuitively know that, right. They're like, we'll I have to write the book first, but then they're like, well, I could be working on the cover and maybe I'll actually finish it if I see the cover and well, where am I going to publish it? And I probably need to figure that out sooner rather than later. Cause if I finish it, but I want to do this, like, I think there are a lot of, there's so much information out there. There's so much that an author needs to know if they want to self-publish. Or I think even if you go with a, a traditional publisher, even an indie press, like you as the author should be empowered to understand the entire process and what's going on and what that publisher is doing for you and what they're specifically not going to do or what's not in the contract. And that's a lot, right? That is a full-time job just to figure that out. And you probably have another full-time job that probably does not like you watching YouTube videos all day, um, unless you're still working from home, in which case they don't. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, it's a lot and I think people get overwhelmed. And again, it's, it's another form of procrastination sometimes to go off down these rabbit holes of, I have the most perfect cover. And then I'm going to do this and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and it's like, where's your draft? Oh, I have a couple chapters done, you know? And so I think it's hard to know the very first time you're writing a book, what is going to work for you. Like for some people putting that finished cover up on the wall that they paid a hundred bucks for, like, I better finish this thing because I paid for that cover. It looks great. I need to finish it. And some authors will be like, now I'm just stressed because I don't know if this is the book I even want to write anymore. And I want to change the book. And I feel like I can't, and I feel like I'm chained to it now, but you know what, in the scheme of things, a hundred dollars for a cover, it's not that much change the book, write the book you want to write, get a new cover. Um, it's, it's hard um, when you're going through it the first time. And I think for me, it's even hard to think back to who I was in 2015 going through it for the first time of like, what do I do? And like, every time I got overwhelmed, I would just be like, just write the book, just write the book. And then it, it all, I figured it out. I made a lot of mistakes the first time and I made fewer mistakes the second time. And every time a book comes out, there's inevitably some mistake um, that I make, but they get smaller and smaller. And usually I'm the only one who notices it. And well, and that's the thing you're allowed to screw up. You're allowed to screw up. Just don't screw up by giving other people lots of money. Mm-hmm. That's the one screw up I'd like you not to do mm-hmm. is don't give other people money. That's, that's something that's the taggy backsies on learning the lesson can be quite costly. So I, I absolutely wouldn't do that. Okay. Ciara, I'm going to let you have the final question here of this, this, this round mm-hmm. of the podcast. Because you well, have a diamond talking- pen that is really, really pretty. And yeah. Oh, I don't just have one. <laughs> but I can show you my pen collection. I have like nine of these. That's amazing. Because like I keep just ripping the little diamond things off when I get bored. Oh, you know, because yeah. money, just waterfall of money in everywhere. Just kidding. They're not real, Eric. <laughs> I know they're not real. If you were doing that with real diamonds. I'm going to be like, what are you doing? You get a diamond. (laughs) You get one. Um, So I think my biggest question is, is what do you feel like is your biggest advice from going through your experience? Like, I know you've talked a lot about basically the bottom line. If somebody's asking you for money, don't do it. So Mm -hmm. overall, if somebody is listening that has started this whole process, what is the one thing that you think that they should keep in the forefront of their mind? That at the end of the day, the book is going to have their name on it. It's not going to have their best friend's name on it. It's not going to have their mom's name on it. And it's not going to have the editor who's charging them 10 times what an editor should, you know, market rates charge them. Um, it's going to have their name on it. Um, and so I don't want to say like, don't pay 
anybody for anything. Like there are certain services that make sense and certain rates that are reasonable. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the author's name that's on the book. So for you listening, it's your name on the book. Do you like it? Do you, are you happy with how the story is being told? If there's something in the back of your mind that says, I just, I think it could be better. Okay. Go, go to other people, go to beta readers, go to a writing group, talk with an editor who has rates that are in line with current market rates, not astronomical, crazy, what planet are you on rates? Um, and, and talk to them and have that conversation about the part that's bugging you and have them look at it. Um, but if you, at the end of the day, think this is an awesome book and I want to read it 10 more times because I'm going to have to, to self-edit it. And it's great. And this is the book I've wanted to read that just wasn't out there. Then great. Your book is done. Um, you know, editing, revising grammar typos aside, but if you are happy with it, that's what matters because your name's on it. And that's the one thing that I think a lot of authors lose sight of, um, is that they have to be the final approver. Um, and that's scary because your name's on it and it's out there, but that's the exciting part too, is that your name's on it and it's out there and it's your book. Um, so that's the one thing I would always go back to, um, is to remind people it's your book, your name's on it. Very, very cool. Okay. How do people find your fiction work and how do people find nonfiction in your show? Yeah. Um, so all of my books are out under the same pen name, MK Williams. I know you're supposed to do it different. I made a conscientious choice to keep them the same. So when people read my nonfiction guides about how to self-publish, they don't think I'm full of it because I don't have any other books. I do. You can see them all. I know what I'm doing. I actually write other books than just how-to books. Um, so MK Williams, anywhere you find great books, including your library. If your library doesn't have my books currently, you can request them. Um, I have the Project Collusion series, Nailbiters and Architects, the Feminina series, Infinite, Infinite, and the Alpha Nina, as well as some other um, short fiction that's out as well. Um, and for all my nonfiction under the Author Your Ambition series of self-publishing for the first-time author, book marketing for the first-time author, going wide, um, all those books are out under authoryourambition.com. Um, just go into Google and type MK Williams or Author Your Ambition. My books will pop up. My videos will pop up. And I'm everywhere online at one mk williams i used to say because i'm the one mk williams but there's another mk williams and he's a dude and you're gonna know it's not me because he's a dude and i'm a female <laughs> and, and, and with that we're gonna wrap up the drinking with authors podcast that delineation between dude and not okay I have been your host, Erica Lancer. Sponsor has been Smoke Brothers Spirits, DWA10, by All of Their Yumminess. My co-host has been Seal Rice, and our guest has been the always enlightening MK Williams. And we will see you guys next time.